You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. You may be seated. Wow, what an amazing time of worship. That was so good. Let's thank the worship team for leading us in that awesome time of worship. Um, Truly blessed by just that awe, that that presence that was felt as we were all singing so loud. Uh, My name is Ricardo. I'm part of the teaching team, and uh, today we're continuing our series um, we're, we've been talking about being on, on, on mission with God, um, and today what I'd like for us to focus on is something that's been recently in my heart and that I've kind of been uh, seeking, uh, basically just becoming reacquainted with some things that I had tossed, some things that I had thrown away in my past, um, I grew up Catholic, that's not something that's new if you've been here for a while, you probably hear me say that all the time, you know, and as I get older, I become more appreciative, actually, of my Catholic upbringing. I needed it then, and now I've found myself going back and grabbing some things from it still. Um, I no longer go to a Catholic church or go to Mass, but it was formative for me, and there are some practices within uh, liturgical uh, Christian faiths that I would say that are very beneficial for us. And so if there was a, uh, I guess you could say a title to today's sermon, it would be Recycling Liturgy, something I've become very interested in incorporating into my life. And I hope that we could be on mission together as the Mission Church on recycling liturgy. So first, that's a very churchy word. What the heck does liturgy mean? It might if you're not someone that grew up in liturgical churches, you might have no idea of what liturgy means. And so sometimes it could be thought of, uh, think of it this way, a religious phenomenon, liturgy represents a communal response to and participation in the sacred through activities reflecting praise, thanksgiving, remembrance, supplication, or repentance. See, I like that definition. It was a Wikipedia definition. <laughs> I feel like people frown on Wikipedia, but I, you know what? I used it. So what? I used Wikipedia. Judge me. Um, <laughs> but how do people often think of liturgy? Repetitive. Repetition. It's repetitive. It's boring. It's meaningless. It's soulless. You know, I, I, I often say, as many of my uh, previous Catholic friends here, and I know there are many of us in this room, uh, that I could still, in Spanish, because I lived in Puerto Rico back then, I can still in Spanish quote most of the Mass, the Catholic Mass. Um, there are parts, of course, that have variations, but that was part of what grabbed me when I left the Catholic Church was freedom, freedom that I experienced in evangelical churches. But I think I had an inappropriate response. My inappropriate response was to think of any repetition as bad. And so I, I came to think of the, any, any type of, of repeated or scripted prayer, any type of, type of repeated or scripted response, right, not being good. And here's the thing. I didn't pick that up by myself. I realized going back that actually I picked it up going to evangelical churches, not all denominations, of course, are like this because there are 
various denominations that are liturgical, but some denominations kind of have this bad, you know, it's a taboo thing to talk about liturgy because it's like, no, we're, we're free. And, and repetition of, pray, of prayers can be meaningless and it's not good. And, I, and, and here's where a lot of churches, at least for me, when I picked it up in my formative years as, an, as a no longer Catholic attending uh, or Catholic church attending Christian, often what I would hear say, would, people would quote Matthew 6, 7. They'd quote Matthew 6, 7. This is right before Jesus teaches us the Lord's Prayer, which, by the way, is a liturgy. <laughs> right before Jesus teaches us um, the Lord's Prayer, he says, and when you pray, this is verse 7 of chapter 6 in Matthew, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, Gentiles being non-Jewish people, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Somehow, this escalated into banning repetition, repetition not being good, not useful. And the, the context to this is that if you, if you read certain commentaries or certain Bible uh, or study Bibles, what they'll say often is that the context is that the Gentiles did have things that they would repeat, and there would be empty repetitions. But the focus that Jesus is bringing here isn't on the repetition of words, it's on the emptiness. It's on the emptiness. And so that can be true whether I'm repeating or not. Can my words be empty? Can my heart be not engaged? That happens with repetition or without it. Here's what's fascinating and what we should start to remind ourselves of before we discard or if, we're all, if we already discarded liturgy like I did, recycle, go get it, go grab it, reuse it, reform it into something useful for you. Jesus used liturgy. Jesus used liturgy. And it is very evident in the Gospels. See, the Jewish people of his time and before, for centuries, the Israelites had this scripted prayer, a liturgy, called the Shema. The Shema. And the Shema, first, first of all, Shema is a Hebrew word that essentially means listen. And it comes to us from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. The Shema means, or basically the Shema means to listen. Shema means listen. And this was a formative scripted prayer and meditation that Jesus went through every day. Now, it doesn't explicitly say it in the Gospels, but he was a faithful, devout Jew. And he practiced, more importantly, a lot of the things that he shared in the Gospels come from the Shema. So what is the Shema? The Shema in, ver in chapter 6, verses 4 through 5 of Deuteronomy reads like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Wait a minute. Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like Jesus says something like that? Hear, O Israel, here being Shema, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Can you repeat this with emptiness behind your words? Absolutely. But see, 
Jesus not only prayed this day and night, as all Jewish people did back then, they would pray this in the morning and the evening, and in fact, there was an, an expanded Shema that was combined with other parts of Deuteronomy and other parts of the Torah in general, which is basically the Old Covenant, the, the Jewish Bible, if you will. So this was something that every Jewish, would, every Jewish person would pray, and they would meditate on it. See, if you meditate on it, it can't be empty. It can't. It, it becomes formative. We kicked off the series, Paul did, by saying that we should meditate on the law, as it says in Psalm 1. Because this is something that you would do with all Scripture, not the, just the Shema. You'd pray, and it would shape you. It would form you. There's a reason that they would start the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's because they, in their ancient Middle Eastern context, in the, in, in the regions that they were, they were surrounded by cultures that were polytheistic, cultures that worshipped many gods. And they were constantly mixing culture with other cultures. And because of that, they'd receive worldly influence, so to speak, and sometimes be tempted, and not sometimes, many times we see in the Old Testament, to worship other gods. So this prayer was crucial and formative. If you don't think, again, that this was part of Jesus' lingo, that this was part of Jesus' meditation, that this was part of his prayer, listen to Jesus in Mark 12, verses 29 through 31. Again, like I said, familiar words. When asked about what the most important thing in the law is, Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You see, that second one doesn't typically come up necessarily in the Shema, but the beauty of it is that Jesus spent time memorizing and meditating on all of the Torah. And as he explains, once you read the rest of the law, you realize that it's about loving your neighbor. For us, it's weird because we read some of these weird commands in the Old Testament, but in the context of that time, that was how you loved your neighbor because there were special circumstances in that culture, in that time. And the laws of the Torah over and over again, Jewish scholars show us they were about justice. They were about restitution. They were about righting the wrongs that, mean, that people would commit, not only in Jewish cultures, but outside of it. In fact, many scholars say that the Torah, the Old Testament law, the Jewish Bible, was... In fact, a revolutionary code of justice. And that at the time, there was nothing like that. Not even before. It was about being just to your neighbor. So Jesus, spending time meditating and repeating the Shema, starting with the fact that he loves God with everything in him, or the Father, right? He loves the Father with everything in him. He also concludes... In, in his medita meditation and constant thinking of the Shema and of the Torah, that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. That comes from years 
of meditating and marinating and repeating and listening and making the words that you pray and repeat your own. See, here's the thing. Our everyday moments can accommodate formative liturgies. We should see them as formative liturgies that they can form and shape our content, our character, our hearts. Especially today, because a lot of Christians in surveys confess that they struggle with prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. I'm saying it slowly because I think we all do. (laughs) I think we all struggle with incorporating a life of prayer into our lives in a consistent fashion and in an abundant life fashion that blesses us. We all struggle to pray. So how about incorporating some liturgy into our life? Some scripted prayers, but making them our own. See, here's the thing. We can form, we can take our very own personal liturgies. They need not to be the same as mine. I can have some liturgies in my life. Mark can have some liturgies in his life. Uh, Charmaine can have liturgies in her life. And the important thing is that they are formative, that they are shaping your character, that you are not just repeating empty phrases, but that you are engaging with the content, meditating on these so that they shape the content of your person. So in light of this, I'd like to recommend a little acronym that, will, that can help you practice liturgies. Scripted prayers, scripted moments throughout the day. The acronym is LORD from the Shema here. Oh, LORD. Kind of cheesy, but LORD is the acronym. The letter L reminds us that when we do liturgies, scripted prayers, you should listen. Not just repeat an empty phrase, but listen. We need to consistently and attentively listen to the living word of God. Listen to the living word of God. So listen from the acronym LORD. First thing you should do with scripted prayers, listen to them. Don't just repeat them. Listen to them. When Jesus is being tempted in Matthew 4, he answers, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He was replying with memorized scripture that had been formative to him. I don't think it's an accident that it comes directly from Deuteronomy. He's quoting a few chapters later after Hear, O Israel, he's quoting Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need to listen to the word, not just repeat it, but listen to it as if it is the living word of God, because it is. Listen. Second letter in the acronym LORD, right? And again, this is an acronym for how to practice meaningful scripted moments, meaningful liturgies. The, Lord, the, uh, the, the letter O in the word LORD, own it. Own it. Own the words. Make them your own. Don't repeat empty phrases. Rather, inhabit the words. Make them your own. Sometimes that means don't just repeat them quickly. Sit on them. 
N.T. Wright has taught me in his discussion of the Lord's Prayer how each part is in itself a meditation. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Sit on that. Sit on that. He is Father. He is close. But he is holy. Hallowed be thy name. He is so separate from me because he's so perfect and I get to call him Abba. I get to call him Abba. So you see, you can repeat these words, you can race through them, or you can make them your own and you can inhabit them by slowing down and meditating on them. Wow. Hallowed be thy name. Lord, you are so perfect, yet I say my Father, Abba. Just sit on that. N.T. Wright also says that when he says, your kingdom come, your will be done, he says, not only to welcome it in a global sense, but in an inward sense. Let your kingdom come in my heart. Let your will be done in my heart. So own Make these words your own. Don't just repeat empty phrases. Sit on them. Meditate on them the way Jesus did. So own the words. Don't repeat empty phrases. Inhabit them. Make them your own. This is directly tied to the third letter in Lord. Reflect. You have to meditate on the word in order for it to be transformational. You have to meditate on the word for it to be transformational. Paul kicked off this series with Psalm 1. In the first three verses, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Jesus did the Shema day and night because day and night all Jewish people did. It says he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So again, here, go back to that first sermon. You can listen to it on the podcast. But the idea is that If I meditate on the word, not just repeat it, if I meditate on it, it's transformational. I will be like a tree that yields fruit. It's not coming from me. It's from the transformation of the the water of life. The water of life. This tree, in this case me, is planted by streams of water. When I meditate, I'm connecting with those streams of water. And I yield fruit. The last letter in the acronym LORD. Do. Do. Turn your formative meditation into action. Turn your formative meditation into action. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Can we yield that fruit by ourselves? No. 
Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are transformed when we connect to the streams of water through meditation day and night on the law. Day and night we meditate. So, Lord, listen, own it, reflect, and do. You listen. You don't just repeat. You own the words. Someone else wrote them. Make them your own. Reflect on it. Let it shape you like it shaped Jesus day and night where it transforms the very way you think. And then do. Do. Reflect and do. Follow through with the idea that becomes your, I guess you could call it your mantra. <laughs> Not in the literal sense, but it, let it become a philosophy of life in you. What I want to do now is give you some ideas for liturgies, scripted moments that you can use throughout your day. This looks different for everyone, and I find that sometimes I change my liturgies in different seasons. First thing that you can do to make your liturgies uh, something that are fruitful and to keep things fresh, first thing, maybe... Listen to the same book of the Bible every day on your way to work. That's a liturgy. It's a scripted moment. A small book. A small book. Where did I get this? One time, I work at California Baptist University, and one time a preacher came in. I can't remember his name nor where he was from. But his thing was, he stood on stage, and he, he quoted all of Philippians. And he recited Philippians as if it were his own. And it was powerful because he was reading it out loud to us from memory as if he were Paul. He was inhabiting those words. He was making them their own. And he recommended to us that we do the same because, as he said, it transforms not only the way you talk, the way you think, the way you behave, I was like, I have to get that. So for one semester, uh, going to work, sometimes also coming back, sometimes one of the directions, um, I would listen to Galatians because Galatians is a short book. It's got six chapters. And so I'd listen every day, going to work, Galatians. Every day. I live in Loma Linda, and I work in Riverside, so it was enough time. And it transformed me. Because of it, some things stayed Without me trying to memorize it, some things, I found my Shema in that. There was a Shema, Galatians 2, 19 through 21. The audio Bible wasn't telling me the verses, so I'm not sure. But it says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. That, I didn't fixate on that because I you know, wanted to fixate on that. It, it pulled me in, and it became my Shema. It became my philosophy of life. I don't want to do religious duty. I want to live by faith, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I, that's how I want to live. 
out of love for him who gave himself for me. Because I can't be righteous on my own. Christ died because I can't be righteous on my own. See, that repetition there has been formative. It's not just something I repeat emptily, but it becomes a prayer even. I can pray that. I can make it my own. Not just Paul words, but my own. I can say, I am crucified. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lived through me. I want to live by faith. In the Son of God, you loved me and gave yourself for me, so I want to live for you because I can't be righteous on my own. Recommendation number two, maybe own the Lord's Prayer. Make it your thing. It's just a few verses. You've noticed sometimes Paul, actually often Paul, whenever he has the mic, he goes into the Lord's Prayer. That's his liturgy. Own the Lord's Prayer. Meditate on various breaks that you have throughout the day on the Lord's Prayer. Meditate on it. Make liturgy out of ordinary moments. This one is so good. So I recently started reading, I'm almost done reading a book by Tish Harrison Warren. She is a priest of the North American Anglican Church. She often writes sometimes columns for either Washington... Uh, Huffington Post, I'm not sure which one it is, but for one of those newspapers, she often writes articles about faith. Tish Harrison Warren, and the name of the book is Liturgy of the Ordinary. She's a mom, by the way. She's a wife. She's an Anglican priest, and she's very busy throughout the day. And she talks about how frustrating it is that we go through these motions every day, pick up the toys, oh, get out of bed, make the bed, which most of us don't make our bed anyway, but she does. <laughs> um, she does all these different motions, and to her, at some point, she realized they shouldn't be meaningless, and she incorporated liturgical practices into them. She made making the bed about connecting with God. I mean, Jesus, did, he left his clothes folded when he left the tomb. When she brushes her teeth, Tish says that she reminds herself of proper theology of the body. While she might be thinking on one hand, oh, I have to do this routine, take a shower, brush my teeth, wash the kids. Like, wait a minute, why am I doing it? I believe that my body will be restored. Though it decays now, it will be restored. So she uses brushing her teeth to remind herself of a proper theology of the body. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So why do I do this? Because I'm fighting the curse of decay and death in the world, even in me, in my flesh, because I know that I will receive a glorified body like Jesus. We will break the curse in our resurrection. We push back against the claws of death and decay because we know we have a hope. So we brush our teeth. We take a shower. <laughs> push back. Tish Harrison does, like, it, this book is so thin. I highly recommend this book. You might be thinking, an Anglican priest, I don't want to listen to it. It is so good, <laughs> okay? And if, it, if you still have reservations, you know, there's a good review on Gospel Coalition, if that's your thing. They reviewed it very well. You can go check it there. And she's an Anglican priest, but they reviewed it there. It's really good. So what I started doing as I shower, I've incorporated a moment of repentance and showering. What the heck? What do you mean? Showering reminds me of cleansing. 
So when I'm showering now, very, I just started this very recently, I meditate on saying, Jesus, your blood cleanses me. Because in 1 John, it says that if we, for, we uh, confess our sins, his blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And I meditate on that. I ask for forgiveness. So I turn my shower into a repentant moment. And then I say, and I remind myself, wait a minute, I'm also showering. I'm being baptized. When I was baptized, I died, go under the water. I died to self, like in Galatians 2, and then I come out of the water to newness of life. Talk about making a shower a thing. <laughs> it's better than singing in the shower. <laughs> Here's another one. Turn the apostolic prayers into your own. Pastor Jason gave me this. Turn the apostolic prayers into your own. I was talking with Pastor Jason yesterday, just like sharing on what's been on my heart with this. And he was like, you know, like I've been doing this thing where I'm thinking uh, through, going through all the apostolic prayers in the, in the New Testament letters. Um, and I thought that is so good. And it reminded me actually one time Jason, Mark, and I were on a retreat as we were thinking about what we were going to teach. And I had, I, I had this notebook that I usually have uh, for it. And I had... I never came back to it. And now Pastor Jason reminded me, I wrote down 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 11 through 12 as a form of prayer. Apostolic prayer. It's good. Incorporate it. Recommendation number five. There are seven of these, so we're almost done. <laughs> Recommendation number five. Again, don't make this like a thing you have to do, but something that you could incorporate into your prayer life. Recommendation number five, build communal liturgies into your interactions with people. Gracia and JP know about this. If I'm hanging around with a group of friends that I know are Christians, and myself included, we just jump into the food, as we often do right after church. If we just, we didn't even pray, we just jump into the food. I'll usually say, Buen provecho que el Señor bendiga los alimentos y provea para los más necesitados. And that's my little liturgical script. It's a quick prayer because I don't want them to feel bad. No, no, no. Don't swallow that bite. We've got to pray. I don't want to do that. So I do a quick recited thing. And I say, que el Señor bendiga los alimentos y provea para los más necesitados. It means, may God bless this food and provide for those in need. Amen. That's it. But it makes my liturgy communal. It includes people. You know, in Anglican churches and in Catholic churches and other churches that are liturgical, the whole point is to do these scripted moments together, together, as one body of believers. So build communal litur liturgies into your interactions. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's a prayer that your kids, yourself, and your spouse go through every day for like 30 seconds. Or maybe you do it on Saturdays. Or maybe something. Make communal scripted moments or liturgies. Pray and meditate on a psalm every day. Number six. Like for me, Psalm 23. I love Psalm 23 because the first verses remind me of Jesus in John 10. He is the good shepherd. I don't need anything because he is the good shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Meditate on that. I, 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 I have OCD and generalized anxiety disorder, so I wrestle with being always like, ah, I'm always thinking about work, so I need to be refreshed. I need to be 
restored in my soul. I need to be in green pastures with, with Jesus, the good, the good shepherd. And last, number seven, maybe write down some small prayers and memorize them and meaningly repeat them throughout the day. Um, maybe they're yours. Maybe they're someone else's. I have a list here. That's why I'm opening my phone. I'm not checking scores or anything like that. <laughs> Here, here are some examples of prayers that I've written down. St. Uh, Ambrose of Milan says, O Lord, who has mercy upon all, take away from me my sins and mercifully kindle in me the fire of your Holy Spirit. Take away from me the heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh, a heart to love and adore you, a heart to delight in you, to follow and to enjoy you for Christ's sake. Sometimes when I just can't find the words to pray, I open my phone and I have that prayer down. A scripted prayer. There's many like this. Augustine said, Grant me, even me, my dearest Lord, to know you and love you and rejoice in you. Let the love of you grow every day more and more in me, that my joy may be full in you. That's so beautiful. Sometimes I just don't have those words. But can I make them my own? Heck yes. I can make them my own. I can inhabit those words. Jason, a long time ago, recommended Lectio 365, which is an app for Lectio Divina, the practice of, of doing kind of a meditative uh, uh, devotional time where you, you, you go through Scripture, you pray, you meditate, you reflect on the Scripture. And if you have that app, if you use it every day, at the end of the thing, they have this, this little prayer at the end that says, Father, help me to live this day to the full. Uh, being true to you in every way. Jesus, help me to give myself away to others. Being kind to everyone I meet. Spirit, help me to love the lost, proclaiming Christ in all I do and say. I didn't try to memorize that. It's just they do it every day through this app, right? And such a beautiful, simple Trinitarian prayer right there. So find moments, maybe incorporate one liturgy, one scripted prayer. If you struggle with prayer, if you don't pray every day, probably all of us don't pray every day because we struggle with it. Man, find a liturgy. Find a scripted moment. Let the words become your own. Listen to them. Own them. Reflect. And then may they transform you into action. Do with your liturgy, with your scripted prayer, do bless others. May it be like the Shema was to Jesus and to the ancient Israelites, where they were transformed in their very hearts to love God with everything in them. As the worship team comes back, I, wanna, I, wa I just want to make a, a, a small warning here, because for some of us, thinking of repeated prayers can be almost even traumatizing. It might bring up past experiences with churches that hurt you that are a little more traditional. If liturgies are not your thing, I'm not saying you have to do them. You don't. Like Heck, some amazing churches in the charismatic tradition, they have zero script. <laughs> and it's amazing. You go to a church on Sunday with a, char a charismatic denomination, they'll go for worship for two hours and a half. <laughs> zero script. And someone grabs the mic and they start preaching the word of God and someone else comes on and they start singing and they're singing off of key and liturgy isn't their thing. And that's okay. 
But if this can bless you, if you struggle to find the words, if you struggle with prayerlessness, if you need to be shaped the way the ancient Jewish communities were shaped, the way Jesus was shaped, then maybe find a small Shema. Find something and make it your own. Don't just mindlessly repeat it. Think about why you're saying it. Our Father. What? The hallowed one is my Father? Our Father? So holy and separate from me, but you are my Father? You love me the way you love Jesus? That's, that's shocking. Sit on that. Sit on that. Make it your own. Don't just repeat words. Let's pray. Father, actually, I just realized, Father, as I start praying that maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't do an off-the-cuff prayer. So I'm just going to do the Lord's Prayer, and whoever wants to join can join in. You don't have to join in. You might have different versions. You might know it in Spanish. You might know it in English. You might know it in ESV. You might know it in NIV. You might know it in who knows what. But Lord, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, okay? If we know it, and if we, if we don't, then that's good too. We'll be blessed by listening, Shema. So if you don't know it, just Shema it, right? Listen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation or great trial, but deliver us from evil. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.